Now that the Detroit Pistons have their head coach of the future in Monty Williams, the next step in the coaching process is to fill out his staff, which Monty has already got started with doing after hiring Steven Silas, former head coach of the Houston Rockets, as his lead assistant. We're going to talk about that hiring in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Later on in the podcast, we'll talk about Jeremy Grant, or Cam Johnson, which guy should the Pistons be going after? Are they actually interested in both those guys? We'll talk about all that a little bit later. And then also, even later on in the podcast, we're going to continue to talk about more more rumors and talk about the Pistons potentially trading their fifth overall pick, but maybe not for another player right now. We'll talk about what that means a little bit later as well. But first news we got to talk about is the Pistons coaching staff. And for the longest time, the Pistons obviously went without a head coach during this off or their offseason. And as recently as last week, the Detroit Pistons, we've talked about it. It's big news. They hired Monty Williams, former head coach of the Phoenix Suns, to the largest contract in the entire NBA history. He is going to be the highest paid coach in the NBA currently, even though now there sounds like there's reports that Eric Spolstra might get up to $20 million as a head coach now. I'm assuming Monty Williams and Tom Gores helped with that kind of thing changing. I'm going to assume you're going to start seeing the premier head coaches start to get paid a lot more, and they're going to have to thank Pistons owner Tom Gores for opening the checkbook for Monty. Um, but the next step in that process is hiring and getting your coaching staff, the rest of your coaching staff together. I don't expect, this is not inside info, this is just me speculating, but I honestly don't expect Dwayne Casey's staff to stick around. I expect Monty to go out and get his own staff. So I don't expect Rex Klamian to stick around. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Jerome Allen moved on or they didn't keep him around. I think Monty's going to want to get his own guys in there, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I know there was some rumors that the Pistons or Monty was interested in getting his assistant from Phoenix, Kevin Young, to come over and join him in Detroit and while those rumors were going on Kevin Young was interviewing for the Phoenix Suns head coaching position and for a while there it looked like he might win that Um, obviously he did not end up winning out on that but after that Monty Williams was trying to get him to join uh, join Monty in Detroit and everyone is from what I've read and what I've heard from Phoenix uh, writers and Phoenix beat writers that Kevin Young is an offensive minded kind of coach and that he helped Monty a lot with some of the offensive stuff over in Phoenix. So it would have made sense, and I think a lot of us would have, would have liked if the or if Monty was able to bring Kevin Young over to Detroit, but Phoenix was able to keep him on their staff and paid him really, really well to stay with him or stay with Phoenix. So they lost down on Kevin Young. But now Monty Williams pivoted and he has signed or he went after and got Steven Silas, former head coach of the Houston Rockets, to join him as 
an assistant coach on the Pistons staff. So I know this. Let's go ahead and get it out the way. Crack your jokes. Everyone get your jokes off. I already know that Steven Silas has been a bit of a punching bag. A lot of jokes have been made about him because of how it went in Houston. And also because Houston and Detroit have like this, this rivalry that just keeps getting like hyped up. You got possibly the Thompson twins ending up on both teams. You got Jalen Green and Kay Cunningham going against each other. You got now all of a sudden Jalen Duran and say Goon going against each other. And now you got former head coach of the Houston Rockets joining the Pistons. It's just so many things tying the Pistons and the Rockets fans together. And it just keeps getting worse and worse with the rivalry. So go ahead and get your jokes out the way. But now that you get your jokes out the way, I actually liked his hiring a lot. Steven Silas was not very good as the head coach of the Houston Rockets. He lost, it sounds like he lost the locker room. And this is from an outside perspective. So if there's Houston fans or some Houston guys that want to check me on this, that's fine. But from an outside perspective, Steven Silas was not good, but he was not the only thing wrong with the Houston Rockets this past season over, over the last few years. He contributed to it. But there seems to be a lot of things going on with Houston when it comes to roster, um, some locker room stuff. Um, and again, Silas plays a, played a part in that. He was not good as a head coach for them. But there's a lot of things going on in Houston. I don't think he gets all the blame, even though he may get a lot of it. Uh, my overall point is, though, is that before becoming the head coach of the Houston Rockets, the reason why he got that Houston Rockets job is because he was thought of so highly as an assistant coach for a very long time in the NBA. Mind you, this dude's only 49 years old, but has been coaching in the NBA since 2000. He was the youngest assistant coach ever at 27 years old. So he's been in the NBA for a very, very long time. He's had the opportunity to, to uh, coach with LeBron James when he was with Cleveland in his early career. He had a chance to coach with Steve, uh, Steph Curry early in his career. He coached with Charlotte for a very long time. He coached underneath Rick Carlisle with Luka Doncic for a while. He's been around the NBA for a very long time. He has 20-plus years as a coach in the NBA. So while it may not have worked out at, with him as the lead guy in Houston, he's not being asked to be the lead guy in Detroit. He's asked to be an assistant, which the entire league thought very highly of him in that type of position for a very long time. And again, that's why he got the job in Houston because of how well thought of he was. Um, and this is something here that I read about him. And it's something that I've seen when you talk about or when you read about his stops throughout his NBA career, whether it's Charlotte, New Orleans, Cleveland, Golden State, Dallas, uh, back to Charlotte again, this seems to be something that he's been known for and something that he's been tasked with at almost every spot. Um, and this is something I read about him when he was with Cleveland 2000, from 2003 to 2005. It says here, he worked closely with LeBron James and was responsible for individual skill work, player development, game preparation, pregame walkthroughs, as well as the management and development of the technology and NBA scouting systems for the coaching staff. He seems to be, from what I've read, he was supposed to be an offensive kind of guy for Houston, but a lot of Houston fans don't feel that way. But he should help with player development. He should help with relating to players. He should help with developing the individual skills and prepping them for games. And again, he wasn't great in Houston as the head coach, but in this position, for the Pistons, he was great throughout his career as an assistant where he can relate with players. He can just focus on one part of the the, the the coaching staff. He doesn't have to worry about everything. He's not the lead guy. He doesn't have to be the lead voice in the room. He doesn't have to worry about losing and keeping a locker room, all that kind of stuff. 
He just has to worry about doing his job as an assistant. And that's something he did a very good job of for a very long time. So I actually very, very much like this this hiring. And honestly, I hope Steven Silas at some point can get another chance as a head coaching as a head coach sometime in the NBA. Probably won't be soon because of how bad it went with Houston. But maybe the Pistons can, you know, kind of revitalize his name and, you know, kind of bring some energy or, or put some good stuff back on his name. Because right now he's very much the punching bag, I feel like, amongst the NBA. But I like this hiring. I want to see how Monty fills out the rest of his staff. That's going to continue to be interesting. But getting Steven Silas, again, who was a a lead assistant for many teams before becoming the Houston Rockets head coach, I think is a really, really good hire. And the Boston Celtics were had him as their top target for assistant coaching, uh, apparently to according to reports, and the Pistons were able to snag him. So I think that's I think that speaks to how highly he's thought of as an assistant in the NBA. So I think this is a really, really good hiring for the Detroit Pistons. But that's just my thoughts. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Hill. How do you guys feel about hiring Steven Silas as the assistant coach? When we come back, I want to talk about Jeremy Grant or Cam Johnson in free agency. Who's more likely for the Pistons to go after? Are either of them realistic? We're going to talk about all that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. Forget planning in months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buying tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. And that's something I'm constantly having to deal with when you go to other places. You buy some tickets, they send it to your email. I know all of us have like 500 plus emails in our email that we haven't opened Instead of having to scroll through all of that to try to find your tickets, the tickets get sent directly to you with Game Time. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed with Game Time. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so the Pistons, are it's going to be a very interesting offseason for the Pistons. And there's been a lot of talk about how they can improve. Is it going to be through trades? Are they going to get another first-round pick? Are they going to be active in free agency? Are they just going to run it back? Like, There's been a lot of talk, and no one really knows exactly what they're going to do. However, in a recent article from James Edwards III, the Detroit Pistons beat writer of The Athletic, he had a mailbag article. And one of the Pistons fans asked him basically, how are they going to get talent? How are they going to you know, attack this offseason? Are they going, you know, how are they going to add to this team? And I'm going to suggest that all of you guys go read the article. I'm not going to spoil the entire article. You guys need to go check it out. Definitely get the athletic subscription. It's worth it. A lot of, you get a lot of juicy nuggets in there. 
Um, James does a really good job writing. So definitely you guys should be checking it out yourselves and reading the whole thing for yourself. But at one point in the article, James says this, the Pistons will likely look to make his biggest addition in free agency. Hello, Jeremy Grant and Cam Johnson. And there's a bunch of other things he said throughout this article, but that's just one spot I want to focus on right there. And it's that who's more likely for the Detroit Pistons to get Jeremy Grant or Cam Johnson. These two guys have been, I feel like, the most commonly used names by Pistons fans, um, by Pistons writers, by Pistons content guys, of players the Pistons will be targeting in free agency. And it matches up with what Troy Weaver said. James mentions this in the article as well. He backs up what Troy Weaver told us a few, I believe, is it a few months ago now or just last month? Um, But either way, after the season ended, he mentioned that he thought that what the team needed was more 3 and D wings. They needed to get more wings, and they needed to be 3 and D guys. And when you when he says that, you go and look in free agency, and Jeremy and Cam Johnson fit the bill the most of probably anybody else in free agency. Um, so it makes sense that everyone would be talking about these guys. I think there's some other guys that quite literally are only 3 and D um, that would be a lot cheaper, but then you're talking about like guys who are playing like 20 minutes a game, not like starters or anything, like Yuta Watanabe. Um, probably not, you know, maybe a, a Grant Williams, even though I'm not as high on Grant Williams, but like guys like that, they will be more cheap, but aren't expected to be like big role guys. Like Jeremy and Cam would be starters playing 30 plus 33 plus minutes a night. You'd be paying big money for them. Um, so those are the two guys that people are focusing on. Who should they go after? Who should they be more interested in? Actually, is the better way to say it. Who should we want the Pistons to go after? Well, I honestly don't feel like the Pistons will have complete control of that. It's kind of just basically going to be who who can they go after? And you may be asking yourself, well, cool, they're both free agents. What do you mean by that? Well, Cam Johnson is a restricted free agent for the Brooklyn Nets. Is it possible that the Brooklyn Nets could just let him go and not match a contract? Yeah, I guess it's possible. But at this point, I really don't see that happening. It sounds like they're not interested in moving on from Mikel Bridges. It sounds like that they're happy with that return they got for KD, and they want to add to it and continue to build. Cam Johnson's a part of that. Played really well for Brooklyn after the trade. With him being a restricted free agent, they can match any contract sent to him. I just... The amount that the Pistons would have to pay for Cam Johnson to where I think that maybe Brooklyn wouldn't match, and even then I think Brooklyn would probably match, is a really... is is a large contract to where... I'm starting to not like as much going after Cam Johnson. I told you guys this a few weeks ago. That like 25 is the most I'd like to pay for Cam Johnson. And then each million you go above 25 million, each million you go above that, I get less and less and less comfortable with getting him. And even at that point, again, like I said, Brooklyn very likely will just match. So they probably can't even really go after Cam Johnson. And the Pistons don't have assets for a sign-and-trade to convince Brooklyn to just moving off, move off of them. They don't have assets like that. So basically, the Pistons have to hope that Brooklyn will not match and they offer enough money to where Brooklyn will not match. And then, also, and then, like I said, then the question becomes, well, if we offer him this much money, is he providing the type of value on that contract that makes it even worth it for us to do this? So there's a lot of stuff that goes into Cam Johnson and them being able to get him. I love him on the team. I think he's the absolute perfect fit for what they need. If they could get him, I'd be ecstatic. But I just don't think it's very realistic that they'll be able to get him because of him being a restricted free agent. And now, 
you move on to Jamie Grant, who obviously was once a Detroit Piston two years ago, who was Troy Weaver's very first hire, or not hiring, but signing as uh, as the Detroit Pistons general manager. So, will Jamie Grant be interested in a reunion with the Detroit Pistons? It sounds like that maybe it's something that he would entertain. It sounds like something that the Pistons are willing to entertain. But, and again, I think Jer- while Jeremy's an unrestricted free agent, so it's not as crazy as Cam's, the Pistons kind of also are at the mercy of the Portland Trailblazers as well here. Because Jeremy, according to reports, wants to go back to Portland. Damian Lillard wants Jeremy back in Portland. Portland will welcome Jeremy back if they're trying to win next year. And that's where it come, That's where you have to uh, figure out what's going on in Portland. Because Portland has the third overall pick now. If Portland takes takes somebody with that third overall pick in that NBA draft is in, the, in what, two weeks now, two and a half weeks? If they take somebody with that third pick, okay, you can go after Jeremy. Because that probably means that they're rebuilding. It probably means that they're not trying to win next year. So now all of a sudden, you can go after Jeremy because they're probably trading Damian Lillard now. They're moving on from Jeremy. They're probably going to try to trade Nurkic. Like they're probably blowing it up, and they're going to go forward with like a Scoot Henderson or whoever it is at the third overall pick. If they trade the third overall pick, that means that they're trying to win next year. And if they're trying to win next year, they're bringing Jeremy back. They're giving him the contract that he wants. I forget what it was. Is it like four-year, 190s that he wanted in free agency if he went to free agency for Portland? I forget what it was. It's a very hefty contract for four years, and they're both interested in it. Dame wants him back. It's just a matter of is Portland trying to win next year or are they blowing it up? If Portland's trying to win next year and they're trying to continue, you know, try another run with Dame instead of moving on from him, Jeremy's going to go back to Portland. The Pistons aren't getting him. I, I, that's from all the reports. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't, you know, Pistons fans can try to be a little more optimistic about it, but it, it, all the reports suggest that if they're trying to win next year, Jeremy's going back to Portland. Now, again, if it, it, it all can change, if they trade that third over, if they or if they keep that third overall pick and they make that selection and draft whoever I'm in. Scoot, whoever it is, then I think that probably means that they're rebuilding. And now, all of a sudden, Jeremy Grant coming back to Detroit is very realistic. So, we'll see what happens. Um, I would rather have Cam Johnson because I think he would be cheap. And he kind of fits... I feel like he fits a role that the Pistons need a little bit more without requiring usage. I think Jeremy would like to have some usage. He doesn't want to just be a guy who stands around. He needs some usage. And I think he'd be a lot more expensive than Cam. So that's why I'd go with Cam. But also, like I said, Cam's going to be hard to get because he's a restricted free agent. So if they have to get Jeremy, I guess I'd be cool with that too. So let me know what you guys think about that. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuku Hill. Who would you guys like on the team? Cam Johnson or Jeremy Grant? Which one do you prefer right now? Again, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuku Hill. When we come back, I've got to tell you guys a little bit about some things we're hearing about the fifth overall pick and some trades that the Detroit Pistons could make with it. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Prize Picks. Every day of the NBA Finals, one Prize Picks user will win the chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks equals $1 million. Five correct picks, $80,000. Four correct picks, $16,000. 
Full details can be found at pricepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal. You could be the lucky winner. You guys are probably asking, how do you play the game like normal? Well, you pick two to six players to see if they score more or less on their picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people is just you versus the projections available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and believe it or not, even more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with PrizePix. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so here's here's a topic that I feel like we've talked a lot about on the podcast. We'll continue to talk a lot about it leading up to the draft, and that's what's going to happen with the fifth overall pick. And there's been talk about the Pistons, obviously, who they're going to pick with the fifth overall pick. But if they were to trade it, who's a player they can go after? I know we're going to mention James a lot on the podcast because he's been the one dropping a lot of nuggets and a lot of content concerning this kind of stuff. Um, James Edwards the third beat writer for the Athletic, Detroit Pistons beat writer. Um, I know a few weeks ago, he kind of ruffled a little few, a few feathers, my goodness, in the Pistons community when he said the Pistons could trade the fifth overall pick for um, DeAndre Hunter. And he was mentioning names of that caliber, and Pistons fans were losing it. They were like, no way. If they trade the fifth overall pick for that, they'll lose it, blah, 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 blah. In this recent article that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, James Edwards spoke about the possibility of trading this fifth overall pick. Again, however, he said at the very end of, the po- or at the very end of his, his article, which I think is incredibly interesting to hear. He says, quote, I think it's more likely that Detroit moves back in the draft and grabs an extra asset than it does than it does trade the pick and not select at all in the first round, which I'm happy to hear. Because if the Pistons were to trade that fifth overall pick, I do not want them to trade for, for a player. If you're trading that fifth overall pick for a player, one, I question the value of the fifth overall pick, how good of the player you can actually get with that pick. I don't feel like it would be equal value. That's one. Two, the guy you're getting with that fifth overall pick, if you're trading it, I'm assuming he's going to be coming back on a hefty contract. I'd rather not have that kind of contract uh, on the books committed to that when I feel like the Pistons are not ready to try to win a lot of games. And when I say a lot of games, I mean over 500. I think we said this in the last podcast. I think they're going to win between 33 and 35 games next year. I think that's probably what the goal is. And James mentions this in the podcast, or not in his podcast, I don't know why I keep saying podcast, he mentions this in the article that hiring Monty Williams, like I said on the last podcast, uh, he mentions this in the article, that signing Monty Williams doesn't change anything. It's not going to change their expectations, what they want to do next year. It's going to be the same. It's not going to speed things up. It's not going to, you know, uh, make the Pistons go out and start trading for win now guys so they can try to win 40 games next year. Like, that's not going to happen. That's not the case. Everything's the same. So, I don't want them to trade that fifth overall pick for 
a player right now deeper into his career on a good on, on a big contract. I have said though in the podcast a few times that if they were to trade this fifth overall pick, trading back in the in this draft, which is very strong, it's a very strong draft, a lot of talent, deep talent, and a lot of wings. If they wanted to trade back, I would be completely okay with that. I would be actually depending who's there at five. I I probably would actually prefer it. Like if Amon Thompson was there at five, pick Amon. Pick Amon and you and you, you you hang up the phone and you celebrate for the next few weeks that you got arguably the third best prospect in this draft at five. Like that's you, that's what you do if if he's there at five. If anybody there anybody else is there at five, even though I'm high on Jarris Walker, even though I'm high on Asar Thompson, even though I really like Taylor Hendricks, even though guys I know some of you guys really like Cam Whitmore. If you could trade five and move back with like maybe let's say Orlando for six and eleven, yeah, I'd do that. If you could trade back with Utah and get nine and sixteen for five, I probably would do that too. If you could trade back, what's another team? Maybe you can trade back with. Which it doesn't Indiana have multiple picks? Maybe you can trade back with Indiana, get five, trade five for seven, and they're too late first. You can get seven and twenty six and twenty nine. So now you got 7, 26, 29, and 31 in this draft. I would consider that too. If you can trade back and remain and get a pick in the lottery while also getting another pick in the first round too, I would consider that at five, depending on who's there. Again, if Amen's there, I'm taking Amen and, and I'm running away happy as hell. But if anyone else is there, and Troy Weaver said that he felt like three through eight, when the Pistons fell, he said three through eight is all really close, and he likes that crop of guys. I have to assume that if he feels like one, he can move back from five and remain in that top eight. He'll feel comfortable doing so. Or if he feels like, which Troy Weaver has shown, he has a very good feel of this. He, I don't know how he does it. I'm sure he talks to a bunch of people. He has connections. And he's able to get you know an understanding of all these kind of things. But I'm assuming, like he's done in years past, he has a very good feel of how the draft is going to play out. So if he's at five, he sees how the board's shaken out one through four. And he's looking at guys behind, and he knows how he feels like he knows how things are going to go, and he can move back to let's say nine with Utah, and he thinks his guy will be there still because he knows how the draft is going to shake out. He feels confident about that. I could see him moving back to nine, moving outside the top eight because he thinks someone in his top eight will be there at nine still. Like I can see him doing all that. Troy Weaver is very. I'll give him this. This is one of the best things about Troy Weaver I've seen so far since he become since he became general manager, is that he knows he has a very a very good understanding and very confident with how the draft board will shake out. And he does his research. He does a lot of digging to figure out how that's going to play out so he can play with it a lot and get picks where he needs them and get his guys. So I give him a lot of respect with that. And I think he's going to do a good job with it. So I'm happy to see that James said that because I don't think James says things for nothing. James hears things. James says things for, uh, for a reason. And I've always thought that trading back with that fifth overall pick and getting multiple picks is a lot more intriguing makes a lot more sense than trading the fifth overall pick for a guy that has to either one get an extension this offseason or two already has gotten that extension and is getting paid a lot of money I'd rather them keep the flexibility and add more guys to this young core especially in a wing heavy draft like this one but that's just my thoughts let me know what you guys think in the comment section down below or over on twitter at kooky I'm so sorry for you guys if you guys can hear my dog barking in the background she's been so annoying the last few days man she just won't stop barking for no reason so I'm sorry if you guys can hear that. But appreciate you guys making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. 
We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. But that's all I've got for you guys today. I'll see you guys in the next one. Enjoy these NBA Finals. Stay safe out there. Until next time, peace out.